welcome to Spirituality Matters. And let's settle in to find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. So if you've been a listener of Spirituality Matters since we began this podcast back in the fall of last year, you know I typically speak on a topic and maybe answer a few questions. But today is an exciting new chapter of Spirituality Matters because we are inviting other voices into this sacred space. And it is only appropriate that our first guest be someone who has been on this spiritual journey with me since 2015 when we first met in seminary. So now a few weeks ago, we announced Numa Soul Center for Spiritual Transformation. And so for today, I am honored to introduce my guest is Reverend Arda Ites. Now, Reverend Arda is the Director of Programs and Partnerships um, for Numa Soul. And she is also a humanist minister. And I'm going to give Reverend Arda a chance in a few minutes to tell us what that is. She's a human rights activist, and she has been in the role of spiritual leadership in several uh, ways in New York City, and I'm going to let her explain that as well. And I'm, like I said, she's one of my seminary sisters, and we became very close very quickly uh, when we first started seminary together. So with that being said, Reverend Arda, thank you so much for being here today and being a part of this journey with us. And I give you a chance now to say hello. Well, hello, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, it's it's really cool to see all this kind of unfolding, what instinctively we knew, right, in 2015, now, um, six years later. Exactly. Oh coming my gosh. to Has fruition. It been, and it's been six years. I know. I can't believe it's been <laughs> six years. It's, it's, it's gone by so quickly. So we have so much to talk about today, but I do want to share the first day of seminary. So that was in September of 2015. And I know why they had that sign on the elevator that took you up to the floor of one spirit where it basically was saying, don't turn and run because I know I was thinking about doing that. But I here I am in New York City, someplace that I've never spent time with by myself trying to navigate the city. I did find the building like 90 minutes before class because I wanted to make sure I was there on time and I huddled over into the corner of the room because that was my safe place and I was still certainly uh, working through some of my own religious trauma and my own issues and here you come in just this just this larger than life magnetic personality and that first, that was very intimidating, but I was drawn to you. I, I knew that our spirits, our souls recognized each other for what we don't even have to go into how that's defined or described or anything. But I just remember being very much drawn to you, even though for the, the weekend we set apart, I just knew that somehow we would end up being work. We would be end up working together. How did, could you describe a little bit about your, that weekend for you and what that was like? You know, I ended up enrolling, um, in seminary on a whim and that in itself is a story you know that in itself is another story of how i ended up there uh, but i had i had resigned from a very sex successful career on a whim and um enrolled in seminary not i don't think fully understanding that i was enrolling in seminary you know and when i got in the elevator and i saw that sign i almost didn't i almost didn't go up the elevator you know, but I did. And uh, I walked in and I remember being so uncomfortable. 
well because there was nobody in the room that looked like me, sounded like me. Like we were just so different. All of us were so different. And I remember I saw you and I just, I remember zeroing in on you. Just immediately something drew me, it drew me to you. And I said, I mean, you, are, you, you and I are like night and day, frankly, you know, on the surface, if somebody were to um, see us together, we're like night and day in every respect. But immediately I was drawn to you and I could see that there was a, um, I could see that you were timid but I knew behind it, there was something there. And I said, oh, I got to get this out of this woman. <laughs> and I will at some point, you know, the, 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 there's something there. And I, like you said, I just recognized you immediately. And um, you may recall, I stood up at one point and said to the class that I was leaving. <laughs> mm -hmm. I do. You know, because we were taking turns, you know, you know what it is? I was listening to everybody's stories and everybody had what I now know as religious trauma, I didn't even know the term back then, you know, just as we're talking to people who don't are hearing that term for the first time. And I was seeing so much emotion and I got so uncomfortable. Um, and I said, what am I doing here? So when it was my turn to speak, I stood up and said, I think I've made a mistake. This is clearly not for me. I wish all of you luck but I will not be coming back. <laughs> and as, uh, as I was leaving, I was during, I think on the lunch break, I was, I was like, I'm not coming back. Joyce, Reverend Joyce, who's no longer with us, who ended up becoming a dear friend and a mentor, um, tiny, tiny little woman. And I'm, I know you know who Reverend Joyce is. Mm -hmm. I'm just explaining for the listeners, tiny, tiny little woman, a wisp of a woman with big, big blue eyes, at that, you know, elderly woman, she took me by the elbow and she had her heavy, she had a heavy New York accent. And she said, I, I know you think that you don't belong here. She said, but you do. You will say the things that people are afraid to say and you will be a voice for the voiceless. So I hope you will consider coming back. I got in the elevator, I went down, I was halfway down 8th Avenue and I, I was like, who was that woman? you know, and hearing her voice, I just kept hearing her voice over and over again. I ended up turning around and coming back. And it was the, it was the best thing I ever did. Oh, I will uh, say amen to that. <laughs> because so, so many times throughout those, those two years that we spent together, you did become that voice of courage for those of us, because we did have a lot of classmates who were, who's, uh, who were deconstructing from the Christian faith as I was. And that I, I do want to, you have an opportunity to share a little bit about how different your experience is, if that's something that you're comfortable to do with in this sure. space. But I do want to back up a minute and say what it is that you are excited about as far as your, um, your space in Numasol, because this is something that you and I actually started working together a couple of years ago when you began to uh, do some developmental editing for me on some projects that will, will be uh, coming up very soon. Um, and then that has just naturally just rolled into what's now uh, developing with Numasol. So would you like to share a little bit about what you see Numasol doing and what your, what your part is in it? What excites me so much about Numasol is that you already have this audience. You have this, you know, captive audience of over 300,000 people 
on social media that are also traumatized. And you don't, you don't realize how people are suffering, right? You, you really don't. And they don't know any other way. They've been traumatized by religion. They've been traumatized by, um, you know, generational trauma, just a number of things. And they don't know any other way. And what I find so incredible is that we now have this opportunity, you know, to show them what can be, whether you're deeply religious or not, either way, you know, we can, we have the opportunity to show them what can be, what they can be and what they can bring into the world themselves. And that takes work. So part of what I find, um, really special about my role is bringing in the right people um, for that audience, you know, because I'm very fortunate that through the work that I've done uh, here in New York City, I've been a spiritual leader uh, at a, what was a, I, I guess you could call it a non-denominational church. Um, I know what should and, should, should and shouldn't be done in this type of organization, right? Uh, just from the experience that I've had. And what we are going to be doing here is so unique and so special and is going to be beneficial for so many people and to bring in those right voices, the people that I've had the great pleasure of working with over the years, some of the most, and I hate to use the word progressive spiritual leaders, but spiritual leaders that are redefining spirituality and religion altogether. You know, I've, I've worked with people that if, you know, you talk about you only know, let's say Judaism a certain way. Um, I have a, a friend and a, a colleague who's a rabbi that has completely redefined what Judaism is. And you've got people that go to their Shabbat services on Friday night that are Catholic, <laughs> that are Muslim, because it's an all, they call it an all-inclusive, everybody-friendly, artist-driven, God-optional, experimental Jewish community. So it opens a door for everybody. So there is a way to do, there's a way of honoring your tradition if you choose to. There's a way to explore. There's a way to give it all up and just take little pieces of whatever works for you. You know, there's so many ways to do it and to lead a fulfilling life. And we can, I'm bringing those people in to create that opportunity for people to learn and explore and do what we did. You know, when we were in seminary, we got to learn, we got to explore, we got to see um, and that's so important. And nobody knows that there's another way. There's a, multiple other ways, you know. That's, that's so beautiful. And it, and it makes me so excited. In a few minutes, I'd like you to share more about some of those workshops that we're planning and perhaps discuss those a little bit. But you touched on the, the whole concept of spirituality and how in the past, the way I see that, especially from my experience, is that that the word has been hijacked, if you will, by religion, when it really is for humanity. And I know you and I have had a lot of conversations about what that's going to look like. But I think hearing that from your perspective, especially as someone who is a humanist minister, and I think that's a, a, something that people probably don't understand what exactly that is. Now, you and I were ordained interfaith, interspiritual ministers, which is already two, word, two words that people don't, um, we're constantly explaining. But could you take, could you go down that path a little bit more and explain 
what spirituality looks outside of the construct of religion, but also in how that applies to you as a humanist minister? Spirituality outside of religion, I think, for me is the most important thing a person can do for themselves. Religion at its best, at its absolute best, can lead you to a path of radical awareness, a, ra a radical um, self-understanding. You know, it should be radical self-awareness. That's what religion should do for you. But unfortunately, uh, many times it does not. However, when you move into a space of spirituality outside of religion, it becomes self-exploration. Because why do we turn to, very often, what do we look to religion for? We look for purpose, right? We look for meaning. We look for understanding. Um, you know, why are we here? What, what purpose do we serve? That kind of thing. And you don't always get those answers. And those really aren't answers that somebody else can give you. You know, that's a place that you have to get to by yourself. And when you step out of the confines of organized religion and begin that exploration, that's where the journey truly begins. Now, I'm not knocking religion. If people, you know, if people can have that experience within religion, wonderful. But you just don't see that too often, you know. Um, spirituality for me in my life, especially as a humanist, and I, I came to be a humanist because I went down this long winding road of religion um, and exploring. I started, my, my spiritual journey literally began at the age of seven. I was from a very young age, a seeker wanting to know, well, what is God? Who is God? Why is God? Well, what are we doing here? What purpose do we serve? You know, really young. So by the time I was 10, I had read the Torah, I had read the Bible, and I had read the Quran cover to cover. That's not to say I understood what I was reading, but the desire was there. So I traveled this path from trying to study the Abrahamic faiths, and then I went into Hinduism, and then I, you know, studied Buddhism, and then I studied Wicca. And, but this entire time, and I was born Muslim. You know, my background is Muslim. Um, and I went through this whole search, but never with formal guidance, right? Not with, so by the time I got to seminary, I still thought that like Wicca was something to be shunned, you know, despite the fact that I practiced Wicca, you know, for an extended period of time in my life. Going through that and really in seminary, spending the time with each, I even got to know Islam in a much different way because I grew up. I was born into a Muslim family that was for all intents and you know, purposes, secular. The only thing we didn't do was eat pork. You know, we went to the mosque if somebody died, but we didn't celebrate any of the holidays and you know, anything, anything, anything. And my parents never taught me anything about it. Um, God was just used as a threat. God was always a threat. So that was always an issue for me. Like, what is this? I don't understand this. I, I have to live with, with, with this, this thing looking over me, waiting to punish me. You know, it was always, God was always just ready to strike you if, if you did something wrong. That was the mentality. So I grew very, very bitter and disdainful, which is why I started, I think, exploring outside of the Abrahamic faiths, right? And I was looking at alternative things like Wicca and Hinduism and, um, when I got into seminary, 
is when I started understanding, well, wait a minute, there's a whole different way of understanding this. And most people only know what they know, right? People know religion through a Western lens. This is a um, Judeo-Christian country, right? And most people only understand the fundamentals. Most people don't explore beyond that. Once you do, once you delve into the deeper meaning of these things and you, and you find these incredible teachers, you know, like Matthew Fox and Thomas Merton and, you know, um, John Shelby Spong and just these extraordinary teachers and authors. And um, it becomes a whole different thing. And you develop a, a, a really different understanding from the mystical aspect, right? And understood, and the definition of God changes because I grew up understanding God as a anthropomorphic male being, kind of like what you see in paintings, right? I, uh, when I think of God, I think of Charlton Heston yes. as Moses. <laughs> you know, like that's the visual that we all have. And that's not God. I don't even use the word God because it doesn't hold meaning for me. What it does is it brings back that visual of that, that male figure you know, who's, who represents punishment and, you know, so I don't even use the word God. Um, and I don't see God in that way. Um, what I see is I am a humanist because everything first and foremost is up to us before any other, you know, supernatural ideology to make the world a better place, to make life better for myself, for each other, it is up to us. Everything is done with human hands. Um, now, spiritual support, I think, is wonderful. But I don't look to religion or spirituality to solve the world's problems, including my own. That starts with us. That's beautifully said. And I think this goes back to what uh, something that you and I were discussing the other day, where we uh, came up with the phrase practical spirituality. Because... Often, especially at the beginning, when when the uh, social media platforms began to grow, you would see people saying, "I'm having trouble meditating," or um, "I I feel weird praying to a God that I no longer believe in." Well, just what you said, your the the work that we do on our on our inner self is is a ref it should be reflected in how we show up in the world, and so our human essence is really our, our spiritual essence. It, it's, it's how we, it's, it's us building a bigger table of humanity. And sometimes uh, religion loses its way when it starts to shrink what we are capable of doing when it comes to healing this, this world. And so I find myself quite often, I wouldn't say I get anxious, but I get um, somewhat frustrated when people wanna focus on the how of spirituality versus what it is, what what are you, what work are you doing in here to heal to heal yourself, so that you're always trying to be a better version of yourself. I don't really care how how many hours a day you meditate or how many spiritual books you're reading or how many malas you have around your neck. I want to see through the eyes of those around you how you've impacted them through your kindness and your compassion and your love and i think that's what what sometimes where religion loses its way when it becomes hyper focused on perpetuating its in the institution versus helping people expand into that self-awareness as you said which is what i i too believe spirituality 
is about. So that was that was beautifully said. I want to ask you um, something else that I think can help you expand a little bit on some of the topics that you just brought up. But one of my dearest friends at the very beginning of, of uh, seminary, and even before that, when I was in college studying biblical studies, and then I went on to study world religions before I, I ended up in seminary. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that I was being called into something. And that was one of those, those places in our lives where you really just have to jump in and trust, trust that you're going to dive into this deep end and see what happens. And that's certainly what happened with me. But she said to me to just keep moving towards that, which breaks your heart. And I can see back in my life where I've done that in animal welfare and working for the rights of, of uh, children and things like that. I didn't see that inside this ministry because uh, I was actually naive in some ways because I became sheltered when I, when I left church that I didn't realize how much uh, religion was hurting the marginalized humans. I was, I was protected from that. And part of that was because I'm, as a woman, I've experienced some of that. I certainly have experienced it as a Southern Baptist when I was told I could no longer be, I couldn't be a minister because I was a woman. But seeing when you understand, like you were saying that uh, religious trauma, people didn't even realize that they're experiencing it, but also that they didn't know that the spiritual, but not religious path was an option that when they decided that leaving religion meant that it was hopeless, that there was nothing for them, that they actually started to migrate to, towards our message because we're giving them hope. But for you, so I've, I've shared those experiences with, the, with our listeners before, but for you, what breaks your heart? And how do you see that being where you are today? How, how are those worlds coming together? If that's something you feel that you wanna share with us today. There are a lot of things that break my heart, but nothing breaks my heart more than injustice. Um, nothing breaks my heart more than racism. Nothing uh, breaks my heart more than the social hierarchy that represses and oppresses people. Uh, whether it's, no matter what the excuse is, there's always an excuse for, for why people are oppressed, right? No matter what the excuse is, um, that's what drives me insane. And there's, there are four things that um, contribute to oppression in our modern society. And that's colonialism, capitalism, supremacy, usually white supremacy, and uh, toxic patriarchy. And what those four things have caused in the world, the suffering that those four things have caused I lose sleep over that. And it intersects. All of those things intersect. Privilege intersects um, and oppression intersects. Uh, and they're so deeply connected. And most people don't realize that. You know, um, We've come a long way, but we're nowhere near where we need to be. And I believe that at this moment in time, we are at a tipping point. You know, Every now and then you get to a point um, in history where there's a tipping point. And I think we are at that tipping point right now. So I have hope. I don't think we're gonna see anything miraculous in our lifetime, you know, but I think we, even in the past year, we've seen a change in attitude, but that has to be put into action, which it has not yet been put into action in a formal political sense, which is, you know, that's what it takes for things to change. Um, 
but there's been a big shift in attitude and that's what it takes. You know, it, it, you have to open people's hearts, you know, yeah, beautifully said. People, you have to open people. It's people's hearts have to open in order to recognize our humanity, no matter what our skin color, no matter what our um, gender. Uh, we're we're very binary in our thinking, and again, we're accustomed to what we what has always been. People don't like change, you know, but it can happen gradually. And I believe we're at the point, and I believe that what we are doing is an important part of that. I believe it will help expedite this process. That's our contribution. Yeah, beautifully said. I wanna touch on what you said about not seeing this in our lifetime. And that that could possibly lead someone to think, well, then why even do the work? But when you look back through humanity, I mean, it's very easy to to look at this uh, slice of time and say, we're going backwards but you have to expand out over thousands of years to see that we absolutely are not going backwards, but you have to reach a place of tension in order for something new to be born. And in this country, um, the the one compelling factor that I think is going to also explode us into this new uh, level of, of awareness and shifting of, of power is the fact that the data now shows that we are no longer a religious nation. I cannot share that data enough. And we'll put that link again in the show notes where it just came out as a Gallup poll that for the first time in American history, more people say they are non-religious then there are people who identify with religion. Now, of course, that's that means all religion, but for a country, as you said, that's based on Judeo-Christian values, this is a significant shift that a lot of people who are in power have known for years because this shift has been happening for 80 years that we have had a decline of people being affiliated with religion. So that that's not a coincidence that we are at this point in time where the majority is is voice is not being represented by our governmental control. Mm -hmm. So that more than likely will get worse before it gets better. But for those of us who are part of the majority, it's very incumbent upon us to continue to to educate ourselves, become informed activists, and because that's very much linked to our spirituality. And I know that uh, you and I are very in sync with that, even though our, our, and I think that's what makes us so good when we talk about that yin yang energy or that, that night and dark on the way, um, to do this recording today, I was listening to a podcast where someone was talking about how important for it is for us to recognize that darkness is not bad, that there is a need, not everything can be, um, gentle and soft it has to be sometimes loud and um, to get to get your point across. And so uh, where maybe Midwest meets New York City is exactly <laughs> what NumaSol needs for the next phase. I always tell everybody when I when I speak about you, I say, well, she's much nicer than I am, <laughs> which is true to some extent. Um, you are definitely much nicer than I am. And yes, in this, in at this point in time, Malcolm X once said, freedom by any means necessary. And the truth is, um, sometimes it's by any means necessary 
when there has to be a major shift, you know, we're, we're entering this new paradigm. And, and I don't want people to misunderstand. When I say toxic patriarchy, people get the wrong idea that we're poo-pooing men. Patriarchy hurts men as much as it hurts women. Um, the highest rate of suicide in this country is among white 40-something heterosexual cisgender men. There is a reason for that. I did not know that. That's that I was shocked. I was shocked when I read that. I, I was convinced that it was, you know, transgender youth. Um, it's white, basically, it's white men. There is a reason for that. And it is all a result of toxic patriarchy. So when, we, when I talk about um, this shift that's happening, our entire culture is steeped in toxic patriarchy and religion and particularly evangelical Christianity undergirds all of it. So if that's going to crumble, that religious ideology is going to crumble as well. Yes. Much needed, much needed. Here, here. (laughs) So um, let's touch a little bit on what's coming up for Numa Soul, because I know you've been working on some Um, uh, workshops that we're going to be launching in the fall, but June is also going to be a busy month for us because as most of you probably know, it's, it's pride month and we're doing some things here to make sure that we are known as an, as the allies that we are. And not Mm -hmm. only allies, there's one, and you're, you're always bringing up this point about the fact that it's diff there's um, you can call yourself an ally, but where are you doing the work Mm-hmm. And I think that holding ourselves accountable for that is, is important, not only in our personal lives, but also Numa Soul. So, um, so Pride Month is June. I would like for you, if, you're, if you would like to share a little bit about the work that you've done as an advocate for the LGBTQIA plus community, I think the, uh, our listeners would uh, love to hear that. Sure. I've been um, an ally and an advocate, God, for as long as I can, I think since I was a teenager, you know, um, and where I grew up, um, you know, it, being LGBTQ was no, really not a big deal, even when it wasn't as, um, you know, I, I just, I just started watching Pose on Netflix. And I forgot that even at that time, because that was, you know, at that time, I was in my early 20s, my late teens, early 20s. So I was in that whole scene and all my friends were, you know, gay men. And I forgot that even then it wasn't, there was still a stigma around being gay. And that was when HIV uh, first became a thing and they didn't know what it was and they called it the gay cancer. And, you know, I forgot all about that. What a luxury for me to be able to forget about that right. Um, To not have to endure. And it was so painful to watch because, um, Oh, and I think about how the community suffered and, but it was a reminder of, okay, look at how far we've come, you know, look at how far the community has come. And despite that, there are still pockets, right, of maybe not here in New York City so much, but around the country, around the world, but even, but speaking just here nationally, kids, you know, LGBTQ kids, um, transgender kids that are just suffering in immeasurable ways. And one of the things that we were working on was, um, this was a few years back with Shirlane McRae, 
she started what was uh, called, she founded the NYC Unity Project, which was about creating resources for LGBTQ kids, especially those who are homeless in New York City. So yes, New York has a lot of resources for kids and it has a lot of resources for you know the LGBTQ community like the Alifornia Center and that kind of thing, but not enough. So what these kids, the thing was these LGBTQ kids could not go to traditional homeless shelters like, you know, Covenant House because they were getting abused. Mm -hmm. And what happened, the, the people in some of these places were, you know, turning a blind eye to what was happening because they were LGBTQ. So there were no safe spaces for these kids and they were aging out of these homes and just, so she created this program um, where to expand the support for LGBTQ kids. And as far as um, faith leaders, we created a system of spiritual support because what broke my heart, I mean the most, you have these kids that have not only been ostracized by their families and religious communities, but tortured, abused for being who they are. And many of them ran away and they were still looking for validation to believe that they were not an abomination or that they were loved by God or, you know, and that broke my heart, mm. you know? So I said, okay, well, we're going to be those, we're going to be that, you know, those clergy people. So we had a whole team of clergy people from different um, religions to support these kids that wanted to be supported. Um, and that was, that was a real eye opener and, and being, I was asked to kick off the LGBTQ um, people of color mental health conference. And I thought I understood the plight of the transgender community until I went to this conference and I kicked it off for them. And um, I stayed of course, to listen and learn. They had community members speaking, they had doctors speaking, you know, it was a really informative day. This was, I think maybe in spring, early summer and they paused to list the names of the transgender people, mostly women, mostly black women that had been murdered since the beginning of the year. And it took about 20 minutes oh my. to name all of these victims. And you think, you know, you know, you think, you know, you don't know. And that's when I really became immersed in protecting and um, bringing awareness to the transgender community and their plight and what they suffer. Um, mainstream media doesn't talk about the number of transgender women that are killed because they don't care. They are considered, you know, on the fringes of society and they're dehumanized and that has to change. Yes. We have to recognize, the world has to recognize that this is part of our community. This is part of our human family, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, our value is not based on our sexuality. It's no. on our it's on our humanity. But that that goes back to that toxic patriarchy and the trickle down effect of how that, regardless of your gender or your background or your religious beliefs, it has negative impacts on you. And how fortunate Numa Soul is to have your insight and your 
personal experiences and your passion for this activism to take this into Pride Month and for what we're going to be doing there. Um, we're going to um, have a collection of items, which I know you've already seen some of them, that we will be donating a portion of our sales from those items to the Trevor Project. And um, you'll be able to find information about that on our website at numasoul.com. And if now we have a few more minutes, if you'd like to talk a little bit about some of the workshops that are coming up in June, and then maybe some teasers for what's coming in the fall and the new Yeah, time. yeah, I would love to. Well, you, um, I'm sure listeners uh, know by now that we have God is Gay coming up, which is the first workshop that we're going to be doing during Pride. It's a masterclass um, where we're going to be talking about specifically the clobber verses that are used to, um, you know, intimidate and condemn the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. Um, and also talking about the past and the future for the LGBTQ plus community from a sociopolitical perspective and from a scientific perspective. Now, I've done a lot of research on this. I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but I've done enough research to give some information, some really solid and important information because I want people to understand that it is not unnatural to be gay. It is not unnatural to be non-binary. It is not unnatural to be transgendered. Um, we have to expand our thinking because it's all found in nature, you know? And that's what really what this is about. It's really about, and this class is for everybody. It's not just for LGBTQ people. You know, it's for everybody. It's anybody who loves an LGBTQ plus person. It's anybody who wants to be an ally, anybody who wants to support the community, um, whether you're religious or non-religious. It is one of those things that I think everybody, it's almost like required learning for, you know, people. Absolutely. So it's, I think it's a great way for us to start because we are going to have an LGBTQ plus specific curriculum. I think this is a great way to start and we'll be bringing in voices from the community to teach you know it's not going to be you and I teaching it per se but it's going to be people from the community that are actually teaching um, and then we have after that we have the hidden homosexual with Dr. Reverend Dr. Jose Roman who was our dean in seminary he's one of the um, highest ranking executives at a major university here um, and he's brilliant. He, he got his doctorate from NYTS, New York Theological Seminary. And this class is, I mean, I saw the outline for it and he just, we discussed it. Again, this is one of those classes, despite the name, when you hear the hidden homosexual, you think, okay, it's just for the gay community. It's not. This is another one of those workshops that I think is required for people because it's really about shadow work. You know, it's about delving into, and if people don't know what shadow work is, your shadow is, it's repressed. A, a simple definition um, if, is when you repress something, it manifests in your life in negative ways. So doing shadow work is facing that behavior that you're trying or that belief or whatever it is that you're trying to repress. So it doesn't manifest in unhealthy ways. That absolutely goes back to that, that light and dark and why it's so important to understand that we're bringing that along with us and how we have to acknowledge that just as much as we do the, the other elements of us that we want to show the world. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's, that's a really important part. And I want to also 
um, emphasize what you just said about how these workshops, how they're being designed for people that regardless of wh where you're coming from, they're not, yes, they are about uh, focusing on the LGBTQIA community, but a lot of that is because we have a lot of indoctrination into our beliefs around that, that being gay is a sin. And you mentioned earlier that even as late as I believe you said coming into seminary where you thought Wicca was still a sinful or a dark evil. And a dark art or, you know. Yes. Yeah. I, and I know in my own way that I, ha I had done that because I, you don't realize that you have a desire to deconstruct from some of your religious beliefs, but you don't realize until you're faced with that bias that you're still filtering some of your beliefs through a, a narrative that is no longer serving your highest good. So I think that's an invitation for all of us to, when we come up against those things, like, well, where is this coming from? Is this something that's really true? Or am I willing to sit and maybe be a little uncomfortable, but listen to people, listen to the wisdom keepers and to the data, the solid data that tells us, first of all, the Bible was mistranslated. It's been taken out of context. And the science proves, just like you said, that uh, fluid, fluid, uh, fluidity and gender um, authenticity is is found throughout nature so that's Everywhere. what these so i think that's you know as we look at these classes that will be coming up that's something that we very much are trying to do is focus it on so it's so that regardless of where you're coming from you'll have an opportunity to to learn from that mm -hmm. so you want to talk a little bit about some of those classes that are coming up in the fall just a little teaser yeah okay i'll give you a little bit i'll tell you we have um we have two workshops coming up that I believe uh, that are being done by the same person who is she's a Lukume priestess and she's also an interfaith minister. She's actually just um, completed a book that's being published talking about the return to um, how she believes that the I forget the name of the book, but how society will be saved. Uh, we will lose this toxic this toxicity will pass once if we can revert back to a more organic and spiritual way of life uh earth-based religion earth-based traditions matriarchal spiritualities uh, matriarchal societies and again when i say matriarchal societies people think oh it's it's you know poo poo men that's <laughs> yeah. that's not what it means that's not what it means at all um and she'll be doing two you know let me uh, i can't re recall the names of the um workshops uh, and I, that she'll and I be meant doing. to have them right here and that's okay and while she while Reverend Arda is, is looking those up I want to invite any of you who might have questions for uh, Reverend Arda or if you have ideas for workshops or classes because a lot of what we are designing in these workshops are because we are looking at what you have asked the questions that you have asked, the directions that you're looking for, these workshops are being based on that. So if you have any questions or you have suggestions, you can email Reverend Arda at RevArda, R-E-V-A-R-D as in dog, A at pneumasoul.com. So please uh, reach out to her. She would be happy to hear from you. Yeah, I would love to know what people are interested in. I th There has to be a starting point. Um, and again, we want to start we want to meet people where they are and give them what they need, right? So if I bust out with a class on, you know, interspirituality or, um, you know, something that really isn't going to make sense for anybody just yet, 
you know, I want to meet people. And I'm, and I'm seeing in a lot of the lives and a lot of your TikToks, there are a lot of people that are into Wicca, into earth-based traditions. There are a lot of pagans. So I thought this would be a really wonderful way to start. Two of the workshops that she'll be doing, one is walking the wheel. Um, let me pull this up. Nature spirituality for wellness. Mm. And the other one is invoking the goddess. Ooh. So this one's coming in fall. The other one I think is coming in January. It's in mm -hmm. the beginning of the new year. It's invoking the goddess, bringing the divine feminine into awakened consciousness. We also have, I think in October, shamanism. Yes. With a real hereditary Tuvan shaman. You know, shamanism began in Siberia, Mongolia, Tuva, that area of the world. This person, Chokbar is her name. She is a, uh, a quite a well-known shaman um, from Tuva. She lives here now in the United States. I actually first saw her at the Rubin Museum. Um, and I was, I was, this was some years back and I was mesmerized by her mm -hmm. as she ended up becoming my teacher um, for shamanism. She ended up, uh, you know, helping me discover my own shamanic roots and she's magnificent. So she's going to be doing a workshop on shamanism. We're going to begin with shamanism, kind of like shamanism 101. So it's not going, it's going to be for people who don't know anything about it. And then from that point on, she'll do other types of, you know, workshops as well. Um, power animals, drumming, rattling, and understanding the significance of these things. I've been to her classes. They're magnificent. I'm looking forward to all of those. I'm signing up for all of them. You're not going to be able to keep me away from those. And Reverend Art and I are also looking at a curriculum around healing from religious trauma, mm -hmm. looking at Jesus through the mystical lens. Mm -hmm. um, we will be looking at the spiritual, but not religious path, but also very important, as we said earlier about moving towards those things that break your heart. It's about becoming an informed and active sacred activist and how important that is to your spiritual journey. So be looking for all of those workshops coming, coming soon. Any last words before we close this out? No, I'm just very excited for all that we have coming, um, you know, in the fall. I'm really excited for God is gay. I hope we get, I know we're going to have a limited number of people because we want to keep this, um, we want to keep it conversational as well. You know, we want to be able to get people's input. Um, I I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to uh, Dr. Roman's class. And I really want you all to email me and tell me what you need. Tell me what you want. We're here to support you, to help you, or to companion you on this journey because nothing happens overnight. This is a process. Yes. Deconstruction is a process. Um, stepping into your spirituality is a process and we are here to help you with that. Don't forget that you can email Reverend Arda at revarda at numasoul.com. And uh, pre-registration is actually going to be offered to our subscribers. So be sure that you also email us at info at numasoul.com and ask to be added to our newsletter because that is a way that you will you can get into these classes ahead of time. We, we like to love on our uh, subscribers. Reverend Arda, thank you so much. You know how... I feel about you and how much I'm so, so honored that you are on this journey with me. I know that 
your passion and your knowledge is exactly um, what we need as your, your official title is the director of programs and partnerships, but it's just so much more than that. And I'm just so honored that you have taken this on to help lead Numa Soul Center for Spiritual Transformation. Oh, it's an honor and an absolute dream to be here. I believe wholeheartedly, I believe that this is, um, I'm doing right now doing the most important work of my life. Mm, same here. Everything I've up to this point has brought us to here. I agree. Okay, friends, be sure to join us next week here on our podcast, Spirituality Matters, and throughout the week at RevCarla.com and NumaSoul.com, as well as Instagram, Facebook, and of course, TikTok. You can find all of our usernames on those two websites. Okay, beloveds, I'm honored to be in this space with you, and I pray that you did receive something, because I know I did. The teacher teaches what she needs to hear. That was actually one of our first lessons in seminary. I remember, I know and you it's know so that. true. <laughs> it so is true. so true. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love, and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you, and you are not alone. You're seen and deeply and unconditionally loved, just the way you are. Bye for now. Blessings on your week. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. As always, follow at Rev Carla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now.